Hello, and welcome to the Curious One podcast. My name is Emma Krebs. I created this podcast to be able to have conversations that were lacking through my daily interactions as I always felt the longing to dive deeper. This space is for meaningful conversations that I hope help to broaden my perspectives and maybe even yours as well. Hello, and welcome back to the Curious One podcast. Today's guest is with personal finance advisor, Jolie Bigers. Jolie is the owner of Wellbeing Coaching, coaching confidence for financial independence. In our conversation, we dove into all things financial independence and the FIRE movement. Jolie explained to me what financial independence is and provided some personal background into her own journey of achieving FI. This conversation was filled with so much information, including recommendations for someone just starting out on their financial journey, pros and cons of the FI movement, the importance of defining your values and what spending in accordance to those values looks like, how Jolie has managed to set her children up with a positive relationship with money, and so much more. Jolie is such a bubbly and genuine individual. Her work goes beyond the numbers and is instead making such a positive impact on individuals and changing their lives, not just their bank accounts. I hope you enjoyed this episode. May you be inspired, may you be curious, and may you learn more about yourself as we learn about others. Today I am joined with financial coach Jolie. She is the owner of Wellbeing Coaching. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today and welcome to the Curious One podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Me as well. Honestly, it's, it's such a treat to have you and to be able to have the opportunity to pick your brain. So I'm super excited. Um, as we jump into it, did you want to give a bit of a, it's hard to be brief, but a bit of background <laughs> into who you are and uh, what wellbeing coaching is? Sure. So I grew up in Saskatchewan. I moved to Calgary to become an accountant. So I got my CMA designation a long time ago. So I've been doing accounting work for 20 years. And two years ago, I decided to change, do a little bit of a pivot into doing financial coaching. So now I work with individuals talking personal finance. Perfect. And so... I first came across you because you hosted a event where you did a screening of Fire in the Blood. Is that the name of the documentary? No, it was called Playing no. with Fire. Oh my goodness. Fire in the Blood is something completely <laughs> different. I know exactly what it is. Oh my goodness. I will probably have to edit that or something. Okay. Playing with Fire. So okay. I first um, came across you uh, and Wellbeing Coaching from Playing with Fire and I kind of began to personally dive into my finances, but more the financial independence and the FIRE movement. Before we jump into that, for some people that might not know, did you want to define what financial independence is and what the FIRE movement is about? Sure. So financial independence, retire early, is what FIRE stands for. So some people take this very um, strict and literal in that basically you save a lot of money until you have a, a big stockpile of money and then you can live off of the earnings from that money. So you don't need to work. So you can retire at that time. Now, for me, with my coaching, I don't think it has to be quite so black and white. And so there... And a lot of other people in this you know, personal finance space agree more with the financial independence 
And then consider maybe work optional. It doesn't have to be retire early for everyone. And so financial independence is just striving towards not having to work. Now, maybe that looks like part-time work, or maybe that looks like, you know, taking a sabbatical year, right? So there are different ways. And then even with my coaching, when I consider what financial independence is, it depends on who my audience is. So for my 20-year-olds, maybe that is, hey, I don't have to live in mom's basement. Maybe it's, hey, I don't have to continue paying my mortgage. It's paid off. Or maybe for some of my older clients, it's, you know what, I can actually work some numbers here to retire. So financial independence looks different to my clients in different stages of life as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's. I'm glad that we were able to define that before. Do you find that a lot of people know what FIRE is prior to working with you, or, or is that something that you usually introduce to them? Or is that kind of a dumb question because that's your niche? <laughs> uh, actually, it's interesting because I'm the one that usually introduces them to FIRE and oh, really? to FI. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because most of the people that are already on the FIRE journey – are very much DIYers. So they've already read a lot of the articles and blogs and books that are out there. So they're not the ones that are coming to me necessarily, right? But so when I get my clients coming to me, I give them a lot of those same types of resources. And then, you know, it's so amazing when some of them just like buy right into this and they just go for it. So I'm actually introducing them to more of the fire. Okay. Interesting. An an interesting answer. Okay. Would you be comfortable speaking a bit to your personal journey, your journey in regards to financial independence? Yeah. So I grew up in a very conservative household. It was very much, you know, work hard and save. It was a agriculture. My parents are farmers. So It was, um, you know, you had to make sure that you had money from this year's crops just in case next year's crops don't turn out, right? Because you're dependent on the weather. So I kind of grew up with the the saving mentality and being very, you know, cautious with my money and never paying interest on my credit cards and all of that. So, you know, I just kind of grew up naturally that way. And so, you know, I went to school, I got big scholarships. I paid off all of the rest of my student loans within three years. And, you know, it was, it's fun because I was already back then at 21, big on setting these big goals and setting the celebration. Like I know I paid off my student loan on my, what would have been 24th birthday. And we went to Cuba. It was like, you know what, we've got this you know, we that was a big goal. Pay off those student loans. We're going to celebrate. So we went on our first international, you know, big trip, right? So mm-hmm. we did that. And then, you know, my husband and I, we got married and we were very intentional with our money. And so when I say that, you know, we got married and we bought our house and we bought the house based on one person's income, namely my husband's. Although, Um, It's kind of interesting because I was actually making more than him at the time. But then, you know, as things go, then we have babies. And so I stayed home with the kids for eight years. 
of course, this is a joint decision between the two of us, but it was very intentional in that when we bought the house, we knew we could afford to do it and continue to live on just his income. Mm. So eight years later, and then, you know, I did a little bit of contract work and then I went back full time and part time. And so I very much have lived the work optional side of what fire or fire means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really been the beauty of having options. That's really what it's about is having that flexibility and freedom and to say, you know, maybe I will work full time as an accountant or, you know, then I, you know, I have the flexibility to start this business, my well-being coaching. And so it's really afforded us a really great lifestyle to match. Mm-hmm. That's definitely what drew myself to it. And like slowly, I'm sure through our conversation, you'll kind of see where I'm at. I'm very much at the beginning, but I'm very anti someone else dictating my time. And if, if people listen to previous episodes, they know how much I am big on that. And so just the freedom, as you said, that FI would allow is something that is just really pulled me towards it for sure. So then what made you want to move away from, was it accounting? Yeah. So, yeah. So I've always been doing accounting. I'm still doing accounting. I'm still a part-time controller for an IT firm. So, and Mm. I don't have to keep that, but you know what? I love my business owner that I work with and, you know, we're just a great team. So that's great. Mm. And you know, it's just an extra little bit of stability. You know, if you're talking hardcore fire people, that's a different income stream, right? So <laughs> it's all good. Um, but what really was the thing that changed it all for me is, again, I didn't have to work full time. So guess what? I had lots of time available. So I did a lot of volunteer work. And so in doing that, I became a mentor with CPA and with CRIAC here in Calgary and junior achievement. I've been a presenter for JA for over 10 years now. And when I did those things, I realized that the debits and credits are fine. But what really got me jazzed up was when I was working with my clients. And so when I'm mentoring and I get that one-on-one and I see the spark in their eyes, then that's what really fulfills me. And that's what made me decide to do a pivot into the personal finance sphere. I think that's so cool. You're like able to monetize your passion as well, which is insane. (laughs) Yeah. And again, the whole flexibility and everything plays right into that because you know, I do all of my coaching online, like it, it's, it's private, it's one-on-one and it's live, but mm-hmm. my clients can be anywhere in the world. I can be anywhere in the world, right? I'm a big camper. So I look forward, I can do this from the campground. Which you were just at your parents' farm. I saw yes. on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was in Saskatchewan taking my calls from there. You know, it's just, a, it's a little bit different. I have to be careful about how good my Wi-Fi connection is. Right. But mm. aside from that, you know, it's awesome to have that um, flexibility. Totally. But coming back to like the financial independence 
or sorry, the FI movement. Mm-hmm. Would you say that FI is for everyone or is it for a specific kind of person? Um, I think it can be for everyone. I don't think that it's as easy necessarily for everyone, but I think that anyone can take some of the tenets of it, you know, to apply to their own life. You know, mm-hmm. there's a whole spectrum. You don't have to be, you know, live in a tiny home and eat dirt. That's my big example, right? You don't have to live in a tiny home and eat dirt. Um, but you don't want to be at the opposite end and earning huge and spending huge or even huger, right? So somewhere in the middle, everyone is going to fit. And now does that mean that you spend a bunch of money on houses or cars or vacations? I don't know. Everyone is different. But if you look at the things that you value and you spend according to that, you should end up somewhere in a happy medium that works for you. So, you know, is it for everyone? Well, not everybody is going to live in a tiny home or do house hacking and have four renters in their house, right? That's just not um, suitable for everyone. Is it possible? Well, sure. But it, it might not be a choice that, say, I would make. But that doesn't mean that I'm not on the FI journey, right? Mine just looks different. Mine doesn't have to be that I retire by 30 years old because I've got kids at home. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, a race to the finish line and then, you know, everything's done. Well, no, but I've got the flexibility right now that for the last, my daughter is almost 16. So for the last 16 years, I've had that flexibility to work full-time, part-time, you know, contracts, whatever. Totally. Would you say that there are pros and cons to the movement? I think only in the extreme case is there cons. I think that there are so many pros. If you start looking at, you know, uh, frugalizing your expenses, for example, you, you can't go wrong. If you spend according to your values, you can't go wrong. I think sometimes on the extreme example is if, you know, you're really number crunching and you're budgeting hard and right to the penny, that can be emotionally and mentally taxing as well. But I think that's probably in the small minority of cases. Okay. You said something super interesting there, though. You said spend according to your values. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that further? Like, are you able to speak about, like, what spending according to your values means and how you're able to live in alignment with that? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think some people might think, oh, a financial coach, this person's going to give me this super structured budget and I'm going to feel really constrained. I absolutely don't do that. I don't create budgets for you at all. Mm -hmm. I'll walk you through. Number one, we spend a ton of time on talking about values and goals because that's what defines everything else, right? So once we define what you value the most, then we take a look at net worth and spending habits to say, okay, you said that you really valued X. Does that show up in your monthly spending? Yes or no? Mm. And so then when you can look at each line item and say, well, no, because, you know, I don't really care about the car that I drive, but here I am leasing a fancy car. Mm -hmm. Then that 
is an opportunity to adjust, right? So it's not blame and shame, but it's to say, hey, you know what? This might be something that feels out of alignment. And it's not for me to judge. It's for my clients to look at it and say, oh, hey, you're right. I don't care about the car. So I'm going to make changes going forward in the car that I drive. And I mean, it can be anything. It can be Starbucks, right? That's like the the typical scenario that everybody likes to pick on. You know what? If you love your Starbucks and that five bucks a day saves your sanity and you get to go out with coworkers or your husband or whatever it is, absolutely, there is value there. So enjoy it. But if your Starbucks is just a habit and you don't really value that five bucks a day, again, that's an opportunity to align your spending more with what you value. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's so interesting. And honestly, that is probably the main reason why I was drawn to you and why I felt the calling to reach out with you to have you on my podcast is because, I mean, I'm still young and I'm still navigating the world, let alone the financial world. But <laughs> when I used to think of what a financial coach is, um, it would be someone that would, yeah, make a budget. It's very cut and dry, um, non-emotional, very rational. Whereas, you seem to very much promote and the message of not only yourself, but like FI and everything like that is, is figuring out first off, what are your values going internal and, and figuring out who you are and when, like what your actual goals are, which I feel like not many people sit down and take the time to do. Um, and then from there, then you build the whole financial chart around that, which I just think is really really, I really admire that. And it's something that I've been trying to, as I said, shift and get clearer on in regards to my values and my spending, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And here's another great example. If you really value security, mm-hmm. then you probably want to have some sort of an emergency fund and or savings and investments plans, right? But so many people are just on the day-to-day treadmill, money slushes in, money slushes out. And then what? Right. There, there, there's no plan. So, okay. It's easy to say, I value that, but I'm not actually making it happen in my day to day. And so sometimes it's just becoming aware of that. I think most people don't take the time to actually consider this is what I really value. And this is what I really want. Okay. If that's so set that up first. Mm. Right. So that that's the whole idea of pay yourself first. And you know what? I don't even it can be anything. If you say I really value travel and I want to do one international trip a year and it's going to cost twelve hundred dollars. OK, then put aside one hundred dollars a month. That's fifty dollars a pay. Put it into that special savings account. And guess what? You don't even have to think about it. When the trip time comes, you've got the money. I'm just like absorbing everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then, okay. So I'm 22 years old. And as I said, I'm, I've just gotten into a more steady and secure job that I've had in probably the past three years. I've been doing some traveling lately. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really trying to get clear on on my finances. So what would you say for someone starting out on their journey, journey, whether they're 22 or 52, but they just are really finally taking the time to 
to lock in on their finances, what would be some of your first recommendations for them to do? Well, again, everything starts with the values. And so, you know, that's where I spend a lot of time with my clients to talk about, here are some questions that we talk about. So we say, when are the times in your life that you've been the happiest? Mm. When are the times in your life that you've been the most proud? Mm. In those two questions, who shows up? Is there a spouse? Is there family? Are there kids? Is there pets? Okay, so this is driving towards what you value, right? Where are you? Does it have to be in Calgary? Does it have to be in that particular house? Can you live in Thailand and do those same things? Can you live in rural Nova Scotia and do those same things, right? So this is my job as a coach to keep pulling these kinds of questions out to open the different opportunities for how your life might look. Right. Because we get into this limited beliefs. Right. To say, oh, well, you know, here I am and I'm stuck here in this job. So that means I'm stuck here in this house and I'm stuck here with this car. and You know, I just have to make these payments. But when you really step back, what makes you happy? What makes you proud? Who's there? Where are you? What are you doing? Right. If, it, if your job is not making you happy, I hope it's at least making you proud. And if it's not doing either of those, what are your other options and opportunities? So we do a lot of that internal work to say, let's get everything aligned. I love that. I'm literally writing down all of these. (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow's journaling session is going to be great. (laughs) You know, and further to that, you know, more value work. So we talk about if money didn't exist, what would you spend your time doing? Where would you live? What would you do? What would you, like if you were officially retired at 22, you didn't have to work. What would you actually do with your time? Because some people say, oh, it would be just so great. And I would just, you know, lie on a beach forever. Well, maybe. And that might work forever but maybe that would get old after a month so what are the things that you really enjoy doing and so if you really enjoy I don't know doing yoga okay so you're going to spend some time doing yoga great what about any other creative outlets what about how you can serve the community what about ways that you can donate time or money to organizations that matter to you Mm-hmm. that all fills into what you value and your purpose. Mm-hmm. So as a financial coach, we talk heavy stuff. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm here for it. <laughs> I don't, I don't do surface talk. So that's, that's why I reached out to you. Okay. <laughs> and seriously, if it was as easy as, you know, just setting up a budget to say, okay, yeah, you have $2,000 a month coming in while well, you should only spend you know, whatever, 750 on your housing and 300 on your car. I mean, the math part of all of that is very easy. Most people don't have a math problem when it comes to finances, right? Mm-hmm. It's the mind part. It's the, the mindset and the, the mental and the changes, you know, the choices that you make, those habits every single day, that's what's hard to get over and to get into alignment with what's going to make you feel whole and successful. And do you know what's so great? 
I get to do this for a living. This is my business. It's talking <laughs> with people to get down to their roots to say, yeah, that is what I need. That is what I want. Right. And, yeah. you know, for some people, if it's like, say they like yoga. Okay. Well, you know, are there any opportunities for you to um, do that cheaper or to volunteer your time to get a pass for that? What can you start now that might transition into you being able to spend more of your time when you're retired doing yoga? Mm -hmm. And you can, you can switch that around for, you know, absolutely anything and everything, whether it's, you know, volunteering your time or, you know, uh, dog walking, for example, right? Oh, I would love to have a pet, but I'm too busy working right now. Uh, so I can't commit to having my own dog. Okay. Well, maybe you just need to set up an account on Rover and you can be a dog walker part-time. You get to play with other people's pups on your schedule, right? Mm -hmm. Bring in a little bit of extra side hustle income. And guess what? When you officially retire, whether that's in five years or 30 years, you're already filling this void of things that you love to do. You're making people think in different ways and really pushing them to dive deeper into their why. And and like you said, people, I'm sure if you ask a lot of common – sorry, if you just ask a lot of people – just walking on the street like oh if you were to retire tomorrow what would you do and they would say oh I'd sit on the beach but it's true they you can't do that all the time I'm sure most people wouldn't feel fulfilled but they wouldn't begin to feel happy anymore but they just never really take the time to like actually visualize what would I actually do once I retire and I think it's super important that we begin to do that prior because it's making sure that we're heading in the right direction and we can as you said implement these things that we're that we're working towards like in our in our day-to-day -day lives now which is super exciting well and then don't you feel more fulfilled even if totally. like the worst case scenario is right now oh you've got a nine to five cubicle job that is terrible right mm -hmm. so the idea then is to make that better so how can we do that as a transition. Well, maybe it is something like starting a side hustle and that eventually you may pivot completely that way. Maybe you can't give up that steady paycheck because you've got a big mortgage to pay or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But if you really think about it and look at what your alternatives are, do you need to be in Calgary with expensive housing or no, mm -hmm. right? Okay, well, I had this question written down, and it, it's a bit of a random question, but I just wanted to know what, in your opinion, what you think is some of the worst things people can do with their money? Oh, one of the worst things? Not pay attention. That's probably number one. I think everybody gets caught in the trap of, you know, money slushes in, money slushes out, and we're not really paying attention because I don't know how many clients I've had that say, we make great money. And we don't really have a lot to show for it. We don't have, we don't feel the freedom that we think we should have from having two awesome salaries. Yeah, we've got kids and whatever, but still, like, how, how are we feeling so tight every month? Mm -hmm. And the bottom line is that they're probably just not paying attention. 
And every single time I have a client and we do that spending analysis and we work through, oh, this is your past habits. Every single client, I know I spend too much on eating out. Then guess what? They do the homework that week. They come back the next week and they say, holy, I knew I spent too much eating out, but I didn't know it was that bad. Right? Uh-huh. Now, that's a little bit different in COVID times. <laughs> but, Very but, true. <laughs> But it's just that paying attention right now. And it's different. Like you have, there's, that's not budgeting. This is just tracking where your money has gone, right? Budgeting is a forward looking saying, this is what we intend to happen with our money. So that's just one thing is just paying attention to what's happening. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's the number one thing that people get wrong. And number two would probably be not spending in alignment right? Setting up those goals to say, you know what, I would love to max out my TFSA. That $69,500 if you were 18 back when it started in 2009, right? So how many people in Canada have maxed that out? How many people in Alberta? How many people in Calgary have maxed out 69.5 in their TFSA, right? That should be a goal for everyone. I don't think it gets the attention that, say, an RESP or RRSP gets, but it's a better vehicle for saving and investing, right? It's actually misnamed. It should be a tax-free investment account, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much potential with that. Okay, I'm a big resource nerd, especially book nerd, but... Um, I understand if other people aren't. What would be some of your top financial resources that you could recommend to to our listeners? So when we talk about values and alignment, the the number one book for that is called Your Money or Your Life by Vicki ah, Robin. I just you read have it. it. I did, read did it. Love it. Yes. Yes, I did. I definitely did. I read it um, last month. I did love it. Um, I really like the questions that it asked at the end because it's, mm-hmm. it's similar to questions you're asking me now. And I like to really be self-aware and like to reflect on my values and things like that. But it was tying in that kind of self-development aspect with my financial um life together Mm -hmm. that I really I really enjoyed and as I said it had really good journal prompts um and things like that I started making my chart my uh, abundance and expenses chart after that Mm -hmm. and um I heard it out (laughs) (laughs) and I I am currently I call it collecting my data because I'm it's been about a month now that I've been living solely on my own for the first time like in my life I've normally had housemates or a partner etc and Mm -hmm. now I'm I'm just trying to, sorry, this is just me going on a personal tangent, suss out how much money I need to survive, whether that's, and so Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of getting clear on, I'm writing out every single thing that I'm spending money on, like even like down to like groceries, how much I'm spending on produce, how much I'm spending on meats, et cetera, just so that it's like how, how minimal amount of money like what's the smallest amount of money can I live on to survive I've never known that number I don't even know how much money I use I spend a month so Mm -hmm. um just kind of collecting my data and then 
I'm hoping in like the coming months, I'll be able to reflect back and kind of see where I can trim the fat. Right. So. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about that after we've gone through the spending analysis with my clients and we could talk about, okay, let's create like our skinniest budget. And mm-hmm. this is not for me to decide, but when we say, okay, three months, we've spent $800 on groceries. Guess what? You're probably going to spend $800 on groceries. Right. Mm-hmm. But then we have to take a look and say, okay, well, if that number doesn't feel right and we want it to be, I don't know, $700 or $600, what are some ways to get there, right? Mm-hmm. And there's lots of resources out there. Here's another little uh, tip and trick. So lots of people in the fire community like to get their meals to cost $2 per person per meal. Ooh. So this is a nerdy little game that we play sometimes, even if, you know, we'll uh, buy fancy steaks and whatever because sometimes we you know we'll celebrate at home for mother's day or father's day or whatever so we'll get something really elaborate compared to normal and we'll say okay well the actual cost of this including the bottle of wine and da, 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 maybe it was forty dollars for the four of us so that's ten dollars a person that's expensive but then you know sometimes you'll have a meal say pasta and ground beef and some veggies and tomato sauce, right? There, you're probably maybe a dollar per person. Mm. So it's interesting, though, once you kind of twig into this, and so every time you make a meal, and so you're like, hmm, so actually this meal would cost X, and maybe that's good value, and maybe it's not. For example, for our Explorers dinner where it was $40, well, if we were to eat that in a restaurant, it would probably be like 150 or $200, yeah. right? Totally. So, so, I mean, we're still getting good value and we're totally fine with spending that. But it's just kind of, and my kids who are teens, they're hearing these conversations to be like, oh, yeah, like this is way better than dropping, you know, five times the price somewhere, you know, to get the ambiance of a restaurant right so it's just kind of interesting so there's lots of resources out there if you want to look for um for example budget bites b-y-t-e-s budgetbites.com has tons of recipes and stuff that are going to get you to two dollars per person per meal so check it out you know that's interesting because that's the one area that i do sometimes I do know that I think I I go a little high on, but I'm very into nutrition and like into um, that kind of stuff. Like it's it's something I'm super passionate about and I see a lot of value in, but I like the idea of the challenge of $2 per person per meal because I I don't really know how much I should be spending on groceries a month. Like I don't know what the average is. I talk to like my brother or my father who are very health conscious and like financial conscious, but like, I don't know. My dad's 60 year old man so it's like I don't know what do you you spend at 22 so I kind of like the 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 baseline for me to aim for just set it as a target right yeah and you know we are not uh, like for my family we are not hardcore budgeters at all right like we came uh back from Saskatchewan with a side of beef so that's a thousand dollar wrinkle in the budget right there right but that beef is gonna last us for a year or two So it wouldn't work for us to have budgeted, you know, whatever, $100 a month on beef, 
Mm -hmm. right? So we can flex that in our budgeting and our schedule and we're good. We know, again, that whole cost per pound and all of that stuff, it's going to work out and it's going to pay for itself. It's just a, a cash flow timing issue, whether we buy it, you know, in little chunks every month or we buy one big bundle and it's going to last us for a year or two. Interesting. I even think of something as silly as like superfoods and things like that or like vitamins and supplements because mm -hmm. up front it's going to be $60 a bottle or whatever, but it's something yep. that I have. And that's something that I, I, I think about quite often. Yeah. Because some, some months are more expensive than the other. Or some grocery shops are more expensive than other ones, but it does always balance out. It seems. Yeah. Another great example is your cell phone. You're going to pay more if you get that through one of the big cell phone providers and you pay every month on the plan than if you just buck up that you know big amount even if you get the latest iphone if you pay cash for that now you're going to pay less than if you have it spread over two years mm. can you cash flow that is that something you recommend with a lot of your purchases then uh if you if you have that cash flow to do that absolutely it's the same with buying a car right if mm -hmm. you can't afford to pay cash for a car that's when you get into making car payments, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can get a used car and pay cash in full, then all of a sudden without having monthly car payments, now that money can be redirected to maybe it's the next car fund. Maybe it goes to your RSP. Maybe it goes to your TFSA, RESP, RSP. Maybe it goes to your travel fund, mm -hmm. right? You have mm -hmm. more options with that ongoing cash flow. Uh, is there any other resources that you would recommend besides your money or your life? Uh, yes. So my next favorite book would probably be Ooh. Quit Like a Millionaire. That's ah. uh, Christy Shannon Bryce Young. That's um, their website is Millennial Revolution. They're okay. Canadian. They're engineers from Toronto and they retired in their very early 30s and they're now traveling the world for cheaper than it costs to live in Toronto. Wow. To me, that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> so, to be able yeah. to travel. <laughs> so check out their book. I think it starts very easy read um, because Christy grew up like dirt, dirt poor in China. And then, you know, moved to Canada and da, 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 goes through her whole story. But it, you know, also talks about her mindsets and even just the changes in their generations between, you know, her parents saying, well, you need to buy a house. And she's looking at the numbers saying, the numbers don't make sense for me to buy here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of number crunching, you know, further in because they have retired. So they go through how they managed their portfolio to make sure that they had that uh, cash cushion to make sure that they were safe for the first few years, depending on, you know, what the markets were going to do. So it gets a little bit more technical. They are Canadian. There's some American content in there as well, because of course they're a much bigger audience for selling mm -hmm. the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. They also, yeah, they also have uh, an investment course online for free on Millennial Revolution. So oh. I always uh, like to recommend that. I haven't done it myself, but uh, it has had rave reviews and it's long, like there, there's a lot to it. Okay.
Yeah, so that's another book that I really like. Um, another one that I also have enjoyed, especially if you like the questions in uh, Your Money or Your Life, another one is Work Optional by Tanya Hester. Okay. I've never heard of this one. Yeah, it, it's good. We took it uh, last year when we went to Belize. And so there's my husband and I sitting on the beach with our slushy drinks. And, you know, I have this, I have this book open to these questions and it's just talking like, what do you want to do? And it's the same types of questions, but we had nothing but time on our hands and it was kind of glorious. So you mentioned prior that you have two children. Uh, what are their ages again? So they're just finishing grade eight and 10. So okay. they're just about 14, 16. And as someone that's only 22, I mm-hmm. really, I'm like jealous of them in a way that <laughs> they have you as their mother, just to learn about, um, to grow up with this really positive relationship with money. Are you able to touch on the importance of teaching your children their relationship with money and tips for parents that are raising children? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think it's one of those scenarios where the kids learn by seeing Mm. what we do and what we talk about and all of those things, right? So every time we go on a big vacation, like when we went to Belize, like it was awesome. We went, they got their scuba certification on spring break in Belize. Like, does it get any better? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, you know, we come back and we're very conscious saying like, hey, like we had the money in the bank and bloop, there's a transfer. That whole trip is paid for and we are not at all stressed. So I think just modeling that good behavior because we have a good relationship with money ourselves makes it much easier. So my clients sometimes have a real struggle with this because they're saying like, I don't have my shit together. How am I supposed to teach my kids? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that gets to be, you know, a little trickier, but I think it's a lot of attitude towards it and how we consider money as a tool. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm teaching my kids like, yeah, I want you to go to school and choose a career that's going to pay the bills, but I want you to really enjoy it, not necessarily the one that's going to pay the most, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is just getting them to do some of these exercises now, right? So, you know, my parents were like, oh, you got to reconcile your checkbook and you need to teach the kids to reconcile their checkbook. I'm like, mom, they don't have a checkbook. Like nobody has checkbooks anymore. This doesn't exist. Uh, so to change with the times, guess what? My kids have a spending app on their phones that is not directly linked to their bank, but they need to, at the end of every month, they need to reconcile that to their bank statement to make sure that it matches before they get their next allowance allotment. Mm. So that's teaching the exact same skills, right? So that every time they do a transaction, they have to manually record that in their app to say, you know, whatever they went to max and bought a Slurpee and how that then goes into all the reports so they can say, Oh wow. I went to max, I don't know, five times. 
or maybe I have two different kids, so they spend very differently as well, right? <laughs> so maybe it's, you know, I went to the mall and I went on a clothing shopping spree or whatever it looks like. The value is that they're getting used to recording these transactions. They're getting, look, they're getting used to looking at these uh, transactions and reports. So you remember I said the number one problem is that people aren't paying attention. Mm -hmm. I'm training my kids to be paying attention. Yes. That's like something that I'm coming to definitely learn. I thought I had a, an estimate on how much I spent each month roughly on going out. My thing is coffee. I love takeaway coffee or like going for a coffee or, mm-hmm. or at the grocery store and things like that. And I would keep a rough budget, but I wouldn't get specific on where the money was going. It was like, I have $200 to spend this week, but that would be for everything, not including mm-hmm. rent. And then it'd be gone. <laughs> They didn't wear well, <laughs> and you know that's kind of fine depending on what your cash flow situation looks like right it doesn't always have to be budgeted to the penny but if you look at your full month and say you know what i think it's fair i would be comfortable with spending a coffee five bucks a coffee three times a week okay so that's fifteen dollars a week so that's what is that? $120 a month, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's $60 a month. So that's it's okay, what- my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's 120. Anyway, what, what that does is to say, Hey, you know what, if I'm comfortable with that as a monthly budget and how I break that down, is okay maybe i only can go on monday wednesday friday and it's just setting up those habits and i've done exactly this with some of my clients so they're like you know what i really like my coffee but i take it too often and it isn't a treat so i'm going to do it once a week and make it special again because that's how it's supposed to be And again, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you blow all your money buying shoes or coffee or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. It's how it fits with what each client feels and how that aligns with their values. That's super interesting because, yeah, that that is the one thing that I I do kind of splurge on. But as you said, I really enjoy it. When I go, it's usually – I don't just get a coffee and, like, go somewhere – like quickly, you know what I mean? And just take it for the caffeine. It's like a whole experience. I'm either meeting someone for a coffee, a friend and having a great conversation, or I'm going and sitting down and reading a book or spending time by myself or journaling. And it all comes down to being intentional, right? So Mm -hmm. once you've decided what your values are, you want to be intentional with how you spend that money. And so that plays right into your goal setting as well, right? Yeah. You want to be intentional. You want to say, yes, I want to max my TFSA. Okay. If we're going to do that, that $6,000 a year, right? That's $500 a month. Can we make that happen? Before we transition into the lightning round, is there anything in our conversation that you wish we touched on or you want to expand on a bit further? You know, I think that there are tons and tons of resources available out there, whether you look at the, you know, finance section at the library or at chapters, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of crazy. It's in the business section. It's not in the self-help help section. 
mm-hmm. which is, you know, feels a little bit backwards to me, but there's tons of resources out there. And then when you look online and, you know, blogs and all this stuff, it can be very overwhelming. Yes. So I often, you know, I have people reach out to me and say, this is where I'm at. What do you recommend? And I love to give specific resources for where you're at in your journey. And I mean, this is, this is not me coaching. This is just saying like, you know, uh, so for you particular, you're 22 and you're brand new at this. So mm-hmm. um, if you don't have any inkling about personal finance, I'm going to send you to look at the book called The Latte Factor by David Bach. That's such an easy storybook read about just some of the basics, right? Just as a primer to get your mindset ready, Mm -hmm. right? Um, If you're a little bit older and you want a little bit more detail, another great Canadian book that I like to recommend is Wealthing Like Rabbits by Robert R. Brown. I love it. It's so funny. It's, it's so yes, we talk about, you know, um, compound interest being like rabbits, how it multiplies and multiplies. And that's a good thing if you're investing and it's a bad thing if you're paying on credit card debt. Mm. So, but, you know, it's got lots of great examples and the Canadian content is not is, you know, really good. If I've got older clients, um, sometimes Women with Money by Jean Chatsky is another book that I love. And, you know, like it just goes on and on. So it depends on where you're at in your journey as to what resources I will send your way, right? If you're trying to figure out how to um, do some investing, for example, then there's lots of things online. There's podcasts that I, you know, I love to give names of podcasts and uh, referrals for that kind of thing as well. So uh, yeah, just reach out to someone that, Uh, is knowledgeable in the industry and say, Hey, what do you recommend for me? And uh, I would, it would be a pleasure for me to send you some resources to help direct you on your journey. That's great. You're like, I'm like frothing at that. If you're giving (laughs) recommendations and, um, and we will go over like where people can reach you, but I, I will just say now full disclosure, all of your information will also be in the show notes, but we'll also get to, um, where people can find you. So okay. thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not too sure if you have listened to previous episodes, though, but I do have a lightning round in my podcast. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, so it's three questions I ask every guest, and they are to be kind of quick off the top of your head answers, but I'm not mean, and I allow you to unpack your answer if you feel the need to as well. <laughs> up for it? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, Perfect. So my first question of the lightning round is, how do you define success? I would say that success is living authentically and happy, true to yourself. Mm, Love it. Okay. The second answer is, if you were to be given $10 million tomorrow, what would you do with it? So curious for your answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny because my husband and I joke about this all the time. (laughs) You know, first thing is we're hiring a lawyer and we're going to, you know, make sure that that money is hidden. And then we're going to go to the beach and figure things out. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) um, But honestly, uh, I would love to do some work with um, like bursary scholarship 
I would love to do that with some funds. I we're very fortunate. You might want to call it privileged in that, you know, our family doesn't need money, right? Like siblings and all of that, you know, we both have uh, solid financial families. So it's not like uh, everybody would be coming crying to us to say, Hey, come pay off our mortgage and all these kinds of things. I mean, of course it would be nice, but, <laughs> um, I, I, I think that it would really open opportunities to be good stewards of the money. Mm. Mm -hmm. I like that answer. I would, I would like you to have $10 million. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> I trust you. <laughs> um, and then the third answer of the lightning round is what is one thing that you are grateful for today? Uh, I am grateful that my family is healthy. Honestly, like I think about that so often. I have friends that are uh, struggling either themselves or their kids or their parents, you know, at this stage. And I think about it so often how fortunate we've been to have two healthy kids. And that doesn't even show on my radar as something that I worry about on a day-to-day -day basis. And I know how lucky I am to live that way. Mm -hmm. Even prior COVID as well. I'm sure is what you're speaking to. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, not even talking about COVID. I, I feel a little bit um, even removed from that. It's just in, in general. There are so many things that, uh, that can go wrong mm -hmm. that, you know, so far we've been very fortunate. Mm -hmm. I agree. I feel the same way personally in my life as well. I'm very privileged to have that as well. Mm -hmm. So if people do want to get in contact with you for recommendations or to work with you, where can you be found? So I have a website that is wellbeingcoaching.com. And I just want to explain that a little bit. So uh, well, meaning healthy and, you know, feeling good. Uh, bean, because I'm a bean counter, you know, mm -hmm. an ode to my accounting background. So well bean and then coaching, because that's what I do. I don't do the budget for you. I don't do the work. It's just like if you have a trainer at the gym, you are still the one that has to do the work and lift the weights. Uh, so that's where my name came from. So wellbeingcoaching.com is my website. And I spend a lot of time on my Instagram. You'll see my stories, what I'm up to every day and there. Uh, so that's wellbeingcoaching. And I also have a Facebook page for my business as well. And if you want to email me directly, I'm just jolie at wellbeingcoaching.com. Perfect. And as I said, all of your information will be linked in the show notes or in all of the social media. They'll be tagged in all the social media promotions as well. Yeah, excellent. And if anybody wants to book a session, I have a free consult for anybody. And that's straight on my webpage. All you have to do is pick a time. It's hooked up to my calendar. And so pick a time that suits you. And it's no obligation. I am not a high pressure sales person at all. So because obviously when we talk finances, it's very personal and we need to make sure that it's a, a good fit both ways. And uh, I don't expect you to make a decision, you know, oh, sign up for my course right now and, you know, pay me without sleeping on it. That is not how I operate. So if you're interested and you're ready and you want to make the commitment, then sure, you can, we can sign up. But there is no commitment. There is no pressure at all to sign up for one of my free consultations, just to chat it out and see if we're a good fit. I, I really 
I look forward to sharing this episode. And I know that I only just scratched the surface with you, but <laughs> thank you very much for this opportunity uh, to chat with you today. It's, it's truly been a pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure as well. I, I hope you can tell that this is my, my passion and this is what I love to do. And I just feel so fortunate that this is the job I get to do. Mm-hmm. I, I love hearing that. I love chatting with people that say that as well. It really inspires me, myself. And um, yeah, you're, you're doing amazing things. So thank you. Yeah. And, you know, and the true testament is when you see what my clients have done, the transformations that they have accomplished, that is what is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. I could imagine. And, and it goes beyond just, say, maybe taking them out of debt. Like you're a coach, like, as you said. So I... I am sure you are you are changing people's lives. Do you have I haven't I've looked on your website, but do you have more testimonies and things? I think I saw some on there, but I now I'm just so curious. I uh, I do, and actually they're in a stories highlight on my Instagram. Ah. Okay, I'm definitely going to check them out then. Yeah, just, and I have a whole bunch coming actually because I've just finished up with a bunch of clients and I I'm excited to share them. Okay. I, I, I really do look forward to it. And honestly, I love keeping up with your Instagram. It's great. And I love all the, <laughs> the flower posts that you do. Yes, I same. know. <laughs> I'm the same. Like all of mine are of the sky or of trees. And anyways. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny because with such a visual uh, media, it's hard to what? show a spreadsheet. Uh, mm -hmm. I can't show my clients, right? I, everything is confidential. So, oh, here's me sitting at a computer doing spreadsheets and, you know, talking with people. That's not super exciting. So uh, I, I have to do something to liven it up with my jelly beans. No, you, you definitely do. You're very creative with that. <laughs> well, well, thank you. <laughs> and thank you so much for your time today. It's truly been such a pleasure. Excellent. Well, I wish you the best. Thank you. Jolie, thank you once again for your time. I thought this episode could not be complete without a quote from Vicki Robin's book, Your Money or Your Life. Our fulfillment as human beings lies not in our jobs, but in the whole picture of our lives, in our inner sense of what life is about, our connectedness with others, and our yearning for meaning and purpose. I can truthfully say that Jolie is eager to help. If this episode was valuable to you, feel free to reach out to Jolie and connect with her. Once again, thank you so much for your time and attention. If you would like to further this conversation and get in touch, visit my Instagram at the Curious One Podcast. For more information, resources, and show notes, please head to thecuriousonepodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be well.